and verse number 18. The Bible says, The sons of Reuben and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, valiant men, uh, men that were able to bear buckler and sword and to shoot with bow and skillful in war, were four and forty thousand seven hundred and threescore that went out to war. And they made war with the Hagarites, with Jetru and Nephish and Nodab, and they were helped against them. And the Hagarites which were delivered into their hand and all that were with them, for they cried to God in the battle. And He was entreated of them because they put their trust in Him. And they took away their cattle and of their camels 50,000 and of their sheep 250,000 and of asses 2,000 and of men 100,000. For there fell many down slain because the war was of God. And they dwelt in their steads until the captivity. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to say thank you once again for your word this morning. And Lord, I know I've read a very unusual passage of Scripture, but Lord, I really feel like this is what you'd want me to preach to our people today. And I pray, God, that you help us to deliver the burden of this message to our congregation. I pray, God, that you give us liberty today to preach. Lord, give us power and unction and authority in the Scriptures. And what you do, we'll thank you and we'll give you glory for it. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In my, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. In my Bible reading this week, I've been in, I finished up Kings, and we dealt with some of that in Sunday school this morning, and I've been in the book of First Chronicles this week. And let's just be honest, the first nine chapters of Chronicles is a little bit boring. From the human, it's just one fella after another one, and they're just this beget and begotten and begetting and begotten, and just that's all it is. And so I said, Preacher, what is even the purpose of all those names in Chronicles? Well, I'll tell you, first of all, it's for the purpose of records. When those children of Israel, when the Israelites came back from the Babylonian captivity, they used Chronicles uh, to know whose family was in which and where they were supposed to dwell in the land of Israel. And God keeps good records. And you better thank God for that because I'm glad my name has been recorded. Amen. And if he's got all these names written down, thank God I'm glad he's got my name written down because my name's a whole lot easier to spell and pronounce than some of these other names. And then the other reason for these names in Chronicles, not only for the records, but for the Redeemer. If you study out these, the reason God put these names in here is because of the uh, the line of Christ that would his family line. You understand that Jesus is not just the Son of God, but he had to be of the tribe of Judah, and he had to have all the right things lined up for him to be the Messiah. Not just not just the de- the deity side, but the human side, because he was one hundred percent man and one hundred percent God. And so Chronicles lays all that out. I'll just say this in passing. You know the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all that crowd. They attacked the Lord Jesus on every area but they never did attack him on his geological background. They knew he was the son of David. One time they said he was the son of Beelzebub. They said we were not born of prostitution but deep down in their hearts they knew they could go to the temple and pull up Chronicles and run the line through all the way to his earthly father Joseph and to his motherly mother there Mary and they would realize that he was of the right line that he was the Messiah they knew who he was they just didn't want to accept him for who he is like many people today the purpose of Chronicles is for records and for the Redeemer 
But then it's to be a reminder. Here's what this, when I read Chronicles, here's what it reminds me. God don't forget about anybody. I mean, there are some people in, the, in these chapters that all we get is their name and that's it. That's all we get about them. But God didn't forget about them. And God knew who they were. Some of these people were very righteous and holy people and God didn't forget about them. Some of these people were very wicked people. But God didn't forget about them. I'm glad the Bible said God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed to the saints and that you do minister. Thank God that God keeps a record. But this morning we've read a very unusual passage of Scripture this morning. And it concerns three tribes, actually two and a half tribes. And I want to preach on this morning on the faithfulness of God. I want to preach about the faithfulness of God today. Now you stay with me. It'll take me a few moments to get where I want to go. But I just want to say at the outset of this message, I'm glad we have a faithful God this morning. I'm glad that when I woke up this morning, His mercies are new and His faithfulness is great. And as I read this text earlier this week in my own Bible reading, I saw the faithfulness of God. And I believe if we'll look together, I believe we'll see it. First of all, I want to look at the identification of these tribes. Who are these tribes? tribes that we are introduced to in verse number 18. Well, there first we are introduced to the tribe of Reuben. And Reuben is what I call the unstable tribe. You're understanding that Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob. And the Bible, here's what uh, uh, Jacob said about Reuben in Genesis 49. He said, Thou art my firstborn and my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, the excellency of power, and unstable as water. He says, Reuben, you've got all this going on for you. You've got potential. You've got power. You've got prominence. You've got popularity. You've got all these things. He said, but Reuben, I'm going to tell you, you've got a problem. You've got a problem with instability. And truly, we could see that in the day and age in the church world we're living in, how people are in and out and up and down and back and forth. They're in one Sunday and out the next. I'm not talking about sickness or working. I'm just talking about people that have no consistency to their spiritual life. I don't claim to be perfect this morning. Nobody in this building claims to be perfect today. But I tell you, we ought to have some consistency about us. And we ought not be given to being unstable. I quoted this morning in Sunday school, but James 1a, a double-minded man, he is unstable in all his ways. So we see that Reuben, he is the unstable tribe. And then we have Gad is mentioned in this text. I call Gad the underdog tribe. Here's what Jacob said about Gad in Genesis 49, 19. Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. In other words, Gad was someone that everybody looked down on, but you better watch out for Gad. He will come up at the end. And thank God that God has time for those underdogs. Amen. And so you've got the unstable tribe in Reuben. And you've got the underdog tribe there in Gad. But then you've got the half tribe of Manasseh. I call them the unnoticed tribe. In Genesis chapter 48, we understand that Manasseh was one of the, was, was the second, was the firstborn of Joseph. And Joseph brings Manasseh and Ephraim, his two boys, in there to Jacob. And he wants his father Jacob to bless Manasseh with the blessing of the firstborn. And so he has Manasseh uh, on Jacob's right, and he had been the firstborn. And he has Ephraim on Jacob's left being the secondborn. And he wants uh, Jacob to bless Manasseh to be the leader, to be the firstborn. But you 
what the Bible said Jacob did? Jacob said the Bible said Jacob's eyes were dim and he crossed his hands and he put, there's a whole lot of preaching, but he put the blessing on the second birth. He didn't put the blessing on the first birth and he done it over a cross. I, I wish I had somebody. But he done it over a cross and he overlooked that first birth and he put his approval on that second birth. I ain't preaching on but let me just say it going by. God does not put his approval on the first birth. But at the cross, thank God, he crossed his arms and crossed made the difference and he put his blessing on the second birth. But practically Manasseh's like, hey, I'm the firstborn. He's unnoticed. So there is the identification of these tribes. But then secondly, I want to say a word about the indifference of these tribes. See, we understand these tribes were not always tribes. They were actual men. Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, they were men. And we understand that according to Exodus chapter 3, we understand that they are down in Egypt in bondage. Stay with me. I'm going to get to the faithfulness of God in a moment. Stay with me. We understand they're down there in Egypt. And they're in bondage. And God raised up Moses. And he tells Moses, he said, he said in Exodus chapter 3 verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large land unto a land flowing with milk and honey. We know that's the land of Canaan, is that right? So it was the will of God for him to get, and for, we'll say, I don't understand Manasseh was Joseph's son, but for practical, we understand it was the will of God for Gad and Manasseh and Ephraim and all the sons of Jacob to get out of Egypt and to get in the land of Canaan. Is that right? Well, when we come to Numbers chapter number 32, we find the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half-tribe Manasseh, they come to Moses, and they ain't crossed the Jordan yet. You know what they tell Moses? We like it over here. We don't want to cross the Jordan. We don't want to live over there. You see, their problem was where they were looking. The Bible said in Numbers 32, verse number 1, And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, behold, the place was good for cattle. You know what these people are doing? They're saved, if you would. They're out of Egypt land. The blood's been applied. But they've not got over into Canaan land and that victorious Christian life. They've not gotten to what I preached about in Sunday school, that victorious giving their all to God. They've not made that decision to go all the way. They Hey, thank God they're not in Egypt anymore, but they don't want to get in Canaan land. They want to live on the Egypt side of the Jordan. And you know why they want to do that? Because the Bible said they saw the land of Jazer. It was good for cattle. This would be a great place. They, they, I tell you, that's why the Word of God teaches that we walk by faith and not by sight. Looking in the wrong place is what got Lot into Sodom, and looking back to Sodom turned Lot's wife into a pillar of salt. And so they got in trouble because where they were looking, but then they got in trouble with what they loved. The Bible said that they saw the land of Jazer. Now think about this. In the land of Jazer, you know who's not in Jazer? Joshua. Because they're headed, Moses and Joshua. Joshua's going to lead them into Canaan land. But Joshua ain't going to be over in Jazer. So you know what they liked about living on the Egypt side of the Jordan? No authority over them. I mean, nobody's going to command them what to do. They can do what they want to do. 
they can have their freedom and have their liberty and not have the bonds of Joseph and not have the bonds of the Mosaic law on them. I mean, they're saving everything. Y'all picking up what I'm laying down. They're saving everything, but they don't want to go that far with it. They like the fact there was no assignment to them. We understand the land of Canaan. Everybody had jobs. Everybody had duties. But they're in Jazer. Let's make you up your own rules. Do what you want to do. Live as you want to. No aggression against them. You know what they thought? Man, if we go over in Canaan, we're going to have to fight battles and all that. We can stay over here. Here's what Moses told him. Moses said, all right, y'all can stay over here if you want to. But if you think y'all are going to stay over here while your brethren are over there fighting battles, you got another thing coming. You know what this crowd did? They crossed the Jordan River with Moses. They fought all the battles. Jericho, all those battles. They conquered the land of Canaan. And then swam back across the Jordan to live on the world side of the Jordan. God didn't part the Jordan River for them to go back over there. God made the way for them to get to victory. But you're going to have to swim upstream if you want to go back to the world. They, they, they're where they were looking, where they're, what they loved. And then notice where their loyalties lied. The Bible said they saw the land of Jazer. Behold, the place was a place for cattle. Cattle was their livelihood. It was their means of making money. They were more concerned about their cattle than they were their children. Boy, we're we not seeing that in the day and age we're living in. People make more decisions based on finances than they do their family. I'm not against, I, I, I say this over and over again, I'm not against you having things. I'm not against you having, having money. But you better make sure that you don't put that money in front of the Lord and in front of your family, amen. Hey, it takes money to live, but don't get so busy making a living that you don't make a life. I'm going to tell you, I understand we, we have to work, we have to, I understand all of that, but there are, some, there are some things you don't have to do. Amen. Because there's people that's going to spend all their life trying to get things and turn, going to turn around twice and their kids will be growing out of the house and they won't have any memories with them. Amen. By the way, to spend time with your family, you ain't got to go spend $500 somewhere. Amen. Sometimes it's good just to, just to go just to uh, just to go and have a family day and just spend time, make some memories. But this crowd, they were more concerned with the cattle than their children. And so Moses allowed them to stay over there. Moses couldn't make them cross. It was their own choice. Stay with me. I'm getting where I want to preach. The identification of these tribes, the indifference of these tribes. In our text, we find the issue of these tribes. They're living on the other side of the Jordan, having a good time, and looky there, here comes a battle. Notice the enemies in verse number 19. They made war with the Hagarites, with Jetru and Nepshah and Nodab. Notice two things. Notice the enemies. Now, I was reading this morning, Matthew Henry in his commentary said these Hagarites are literally Ishmael's descendants. They are, they are the descendants of Ishmael. They are the Arabians. And they just went by the name of Hagarites, and, and sometimes they go by Ishmaelites, but it's the same people. You know what? Ishmael's a type of a picture of the picture of the flesh. You know what this crowd found? Even though they, even though they didn't go into Canaan, they still had to fight the flesh. Even, they, even though they didn't get over there, they still had to deal with the flesh. Their enemies, their engagement. The Bible said that they made war with them. Jetru and Nepish and Nodab, those are also uh, Ishmaelites, Hagarites, if you would. They're fighting these men. One of these men's name means to enclose. That's what the flesh wants to do. It wants to enclose you. It wants to trap and wants to bind you down. They're in a, 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 let's just be honest. I've read all this about, and this is, where, this is where I want to preach. I've read all this about Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. They don't want to cross the Jordan. They don't want to live in Canaan. 
They don't want authority over them. They care, they're more concerned about their cattle. They're more concerned about their things and their, their family. These men left their families on the Egypt side of the Jordan to go fight in Canaan, left their families unprotected. And now they're in a war. I'm like, that's what you get. Hello? As, uh, even as a pastor, and, and it, it, y'all pray for me now, but you try to preach, you try to warn people, and they go the wrong direction, you see bad things happen, you want to say, I told you so. Tried to warn When I read this, I'm like, yeah, that's what they get. That's exactly what they get. They should be over in Canaan land. They should be over in Jordan, blessed God. But then I want to see the intervention for this tribe. Look at verse number 20. And they were helped against them. And the Hagarites were delivered into their hand, and all that were with them. For they cried to God in their battle. And he was entreated of them because they put their trust in him. That's weird to me. Is that not strange to you? These people ain't living right. They're not where they're supposed to be. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they get in a battle, serves you right. And God helps them. This battle in this text is not, God did not help them because of something that this tribe did. God did not give them victory in this text because of Manasseh and because of, of Gad and because uh, uh, of, uh, of Reuben, because of who they were and because of what they'd done. You know why he helped them? Because he's a faithful God. He is a faithful God. They weren't living where they were supposed to be living. They weren't what they were supposed to be in. They were not who they were supposed to be in. But when they got in a battle, they cried out to God. And God helped them. You know what I wrote down in my Bible? I read that verse. I've not always been faithful. But He has. I don't know about you this morning, but I've not always been where I should have been. I've not always been who I should have been. I've not always been what I should have been. But I'm so glad it doesn't matter what I'm going through I can call out to God in the hard times I can call out to God in the difficult times and he's been there to help me and answer my prayer and meet my need he didn't do it because I was doing right he done it because he was right he didn't do it because I was anything special but he done it because he's special he did not do it because I had been faithful but he did it because he is faithful and when I read this text on Tuesday I was reminded that we have a thankful God this morning when I'm not right he's right when I'm not good he's good when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be he's always everything he claimed to be and a whole lot more be honest with you my criticism of these tribes is a little hypocritical because I've not always been on the Canaan side and my priorities have not always been right but I'm so glad when I got in the battle he didn't say, oh, no, you can't pray to me. You're not living right. You're not where you're supposed to be. You're not doing right. I'm like, oh, but no. Watch what they did. Notice their prayer. For they cried to God in the battle. Aren't you glad? Don't, hallelujah, I'm feeling good now. Aren't you glad when you're in the midst of the battle and the flesh is warring against you and you know you ain't going to make it, you can cry to God in the battle. You can call on God when it don't seem like a good time to pray. It's a good time to pray. Their prayer in this text was desperate and their prayer was desire. This word cried means to call for help. 
They were down there saying, help God. God didn't say, well, if y'all were living on the right side of the Jordan, I'd help you. If you had your priorities right, I'd help you. That ain't what he said. No, notice the prayer, but notice the providence. And they were helped. They cried for help. Hey, you know, just like God, he's good like that, you know. Just like that, God showed up and God helped them in their battle against the flesh, against the enemy. This is helping anybody. His, his prayer, his providence. Don't miss this truth. Here this crowd is not living where they should be living. But they still belong to God. They're still His. And if anybody's going to do something to them, they're going to have to go through Him first. They, their, their, their prayer, their providence, notice their persuasion because they put their trust in Him. They knew who God was. They saw, they, they saw God get them out of Egypt. God rain manna down. God do all that. And I'll tell you, it is no secret what God can do, church. We've seen God help us. We've seen God meet needs. We've seen God answer prayers. Then there's the prevailing in verse 22. For there fell down many slain. Watch this phrase. I love this phrase. Because the war was of God. It wasn't Reuben and Gad and half-tribe Manasseh that won. The war was of God. This indicates to me that God fought their battle. By the way, we do well when we allow God to fight our battles. I get in a mess, and I understand I'm to put on the whole armor of God. I understand all of that. But I'm also to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I'm also to allow, I'm supposed to fight the good fight of faith, but I understand that I, in me and in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And I've got to let Him fight the battles and win the victory. Aren't you glad we're not fighting to victory, we're fighting from victory this morning. Here's this crowd, they're not where they're supposed to be, they're not who they're supposed to be, and they're not what they're supposed to be. But they cried out to God in their battle. And He helped them. That is not to brag on Reuben, half-tribe Manasseh or Gad. It's to brag on the faithfulness of God. But here's the sad thing about this chapter. There's the identification of, this, of these tribes. There is the indifference of these tribes. There's the issue of these tribes. There's the intervention for these tribes. But sadly, there's the idolatry of these tribes. They win the battle in verse 22, but then look at verse number 25. And they transgressed against the God of their fathers and went a-whoring after, other, after gods of the people of the land whom God destroyed before them. I note... I note in this text, you would automatically think that after this great victory, these tribes that have been living half-hearted on the edge, they'd say, you know what, man? God, you helped us, and we did not deserve that. God, you've got us, you've got our hearts. God, you've got our, you've got our commitment. But you know what happens just a few verses later? They go after idolatry. I note their choice in verse 25. The people made the choice to go after idolatry and wickedness. We cannot be so quick to judge them this morning, though. Because how many times has God helped us only for us later not to fully commit our hearts and lives to Him? You know, none of us appreciates those people that only show up when they want something. Hello? Nobody appreciates that person that only calls when they want something, when they want money, when the rent's due or when the power bill's due. That's the only time they call. Nobody appreciates those people that only show up at Christmas time just to get the presents. You don't hear from me until the time of the year. We don't like that. But ain't we like it? 
We only pray and read the Bible when we need something. Many times, I'm talking to myself now, many times we go to God in prayer with our Santa Claus wish list, and I'm for having a prayer list, okay? When's the last time I went to God and said, Lord, I don't need anything? I mean, I need some things, but I didn't want to hear. You know, we're so bad about being that, unselfish, that selfish person that only comes to get what they want, and when they get what they want, they're gone, and you don't see them again until they run out of what you gave them. They've got to come back and reload. I don't like people like that. Amen. If you like that, I don't like you. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But at the same time, I've been guilty of doing the Lord that way. I've been, I, am I the only one in here? Am I the only sinner or is there anybody else in here? I know you're polishing your halos. <laughs> Their choice. Their chastisement. Verse 26, the God of Israel stirred up his kings of Assyria you know why? Because they were living on the edge. They were the first ones carried into captivity. For him the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. The cost. The Bible said in verse number 26, they were in bondage unto this day. These tribes, they made the choice to go the wrong direction. In closing this morning, I want us to consider two closing truths about the faithfulness of God. There's the reality of God's faithfulness. God is faithful when I'm not where I'm supposed to be, when I'm not what I'm supposed to be, and when I'm not who I'm supposed to be. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. The Lord spoke to my heart this morning at Walmart, of all places. I know. It's amazing God talked to anybody at Walmart. <laughs> what doest thou here? That's not what He said. <laughs> That's what I said to me. I was looking for another clock because I'm tired of fooling with that stopwatch. I don't know why there just can't be a start button and a stop button, but you've got to hit six buttons to clear it. It's Amazon for you. But you know what the Lord spoke in my heart about when I was, I was walking around Walmart and <laughs> keeping my burden for Salisbury? <laughs> Salisbury needs Jesus. Somebody say amen. If you don't believe that, go to Walmart. <laughs> you know what many times we'll do? We won't be living right. Our heart won't be reading the Bible. won't be praying. We'll have a need come up. And we'll begin to pray earnestly. And God helps us. And God meets that need. And God answers that prayer. And you know what we do in our flesh? We must think, well, see, God must not really mind how I've been living. God must not mind that I hadn't been praying and reading my Bible like I should. Because He helped me when I called on Him. I'm going to tell you this morning. God didn't help you because of anything you are. God didn't answer your prayer. God didn't meet that need in a miraculous way because of who you are or what you've done. I'm going to tell you why God done that. Because He's faithful. And He's God. And that's the essence of His person. But sadly, we're guilty of thinking that God's blessing on our life is His approval on our sin. And we know better than that, don't we, church? He don't approve of our sin. I'm going to tell you why he does. Well, preacher, why would God help me when I'm not living right? Because he's faithful. And because he's merciful. Because he's just good like that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I don't know about you, but I ain't always been right with God. And I've had, I've had things come up as a pastor 
as a preacher and have to get a hold of God. My heart's not where it needs to be. And I pray and God answers and God helps. And the enemy says, see, that's all right. He don't mind. But the Lord reminded me, son, I didn't answer that because based on who you are, I'm just good. I'm just merciful. I'm, are y'all getting a hold of this? I'm just faithful. That's the reality of God's faithfulness, but there ought to be a res- our response to God's faithfulness. Since He's faithful, I ought to be faithful. Isn't that right? I ought to be faithful to His Word. I ought to be faithful to the will of God for my life. I ought to be faithful in my walk with God. I ought to be faithful to worship Him. Can I give you an- another verse about these tribes the last time they're mentioned in the Bible? Revelation chapter 7. I'm done. Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7 is the halfway point of the tribulation period. Not using this in a derogatory term, but all hell is breaking loose on earth. And God tells an angel, he said, go seal 144,000. You know what he did out of the tribe of Judah? Revelation 7, seal 12,000. Now the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Now the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Verse 6, and now the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000. You know who those 144,000 are? They're not the Jehovah Witnesses. They're them, they're them 144,000 Jewish evangelists that will go through the tribulation period preaching and they'll have a worldwide harvest. More people will get saved in Revelation 7 than any other time. Pentecost, any other time. The, the Bible said that John said it was a number that no man could number. A worldwide harvest of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And you know who's going to get to do that? That crowd that wasn't always faithful. And that crowd that wasn't always right. And that crowd that wasn't always good, but they had a good God. And they had a faithful God. And they crucified Him. The, the, the Jews, they crucified Him. But God's not done. You know why God did that? Not because Reuben's anything. Not because Gad's anything. And not because Manasseh's anything. But because he's faithful. Now let's bring it home. You know why God's been good to you, son? It ain't because of you. You know why God's been good to you? It ain't because of you. You know why God's been good to you? It ain't because of you. You know why God's been good to me? Every, every, each and every one of us? It ain't because of you. I understand God blesses right doing. But God's just good. And he's just merciful. And he's just faithful. Now that should not be. You know what people will take? People will take that and say, see, I live like I want to and God will still be good to me. Oh, no. Because these tribes went into captivity and it cost their children. But God was still faithful. And God was still good. For whom the Lord, oh, don't miss this, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He loves. I'll tell you what we ought to do this morning. We ought to just... Consider the faithfulness and the mercy of God in our lives and realize that what we have is not because of us this morning. We have a faithful God. I preach 30 minutes. Let's stand together. I appreciate your attention.